Welcome to the weekend. We're back for another big episode today. We've got the number one football analysis in the land, James Campisi, with yeah, us. Riley. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Big weekend of football that we've just seen. Essendon defeated Carlton. Um, West Coast beat Hawthorne a thriller on Saturday night. A lot of games on yesterday and a big preview to next week, so we will get straight into it as always. They'll go into the Anzac Day clash with four wins from four matches. Today was against the odds. Was against the odds, wasn't it, James? It they was. were 7-1 to win that game against Carlton, were the Bombers, but they got up in the end by 30 points. Um, what a joke, though. Carlton, at, what were they, $1.20 to win? $1.20, that's far too short. Yeah. And to be Premiership favourites after two two wins against I mean mid-range sides and then a convincing win against Collingwood... But to be Premiership favourites, it was a joke, and quite frankly, I'm glad the tag has been lifted from us. The Premiership favourites? Yeah, yeah, I'm didn't glad. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. It was way too early, and but, I mean, full credit to Essendon, they they got the points on Saturday, and they deserved to. They started out brilliantly, they won the tactical battle all day, and I mean, I give a lot to James Hurd about in terms of whether he's the coach or Bomber Thompson is, but... Whoever put the tactics in place deserves a lot of credit for that. How uh, were they tactics? How did they play the tactics? What they did was they, they had a couple of men behind the ball at all stages. They had two, three loose men behind the ball, and then whenever they got possession, they just streamed forward with the ball carrier. They played it through the corridor, and we just didn't know what to do. We had Bryce Gibbs in defence. He was lost the whole day. He was our loose man back and was absolutely lost. I, it's hard to see Bryce like that because I'm a fan of him, but he had no idea what was going on, and... Yes, yeah, so Essen, they did really well with these two men behind the ball. They forced us through the through wide throughout the game and then really won, run it through the corridor. So they deserved to win. Um, I suppose early in the game came a pretty telling moment with Andrew Carrazzo's injury. You made the point before the show that they Essen targeted him. Why? I thought so. I thought that tackle, I mean, it came 20 seconds into the game and they wanted to free up Joe Watson, I think, from the very start. You can't really say they targeted... You can't, it wasn't that bad of a tackle. Like it's, oh, he drove it's him like, into the ground. It's just genuine in the back tackle. It's a free kick, yes, but... The ball was loose, though. He didn't have the ball. And he's, he's, he's driven him in after he's got rid of the ball. I know he got the free kick, but, I mean, he's fractured his shoulder blade. So it has to be some force behind that. And I mean, Joe Watson, he had the he had the job on him to Carazzo. He's been in brilliant form to start the year. And he ran away with it in Watson. He got 31 touches and 13 clearances. And I mean, that's what they wanted him to do. They didn't want anyone locking down him. And you saw what Carazzo did to Pendlebury last week. They had every right to target him, I suppose. Yeah. But And then he turned freed up Brent Stanton, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, Stanton ran away the whole game. He was loose and 36 disposals and... 28 of them uncontested. He loves a loose ball. He does, and that killed us. I mean, he had, I think, something like double figures in um, inside 50s, so he destroyed us going forward. But I suppose, I'm not sure if it's worrying signs for Carlton. I mean, The you, lid's back on. Yeah. Put the lid back on. The lid was always on from my perspective. I mean, it's the media playing us up, but we... I mean, you've got to have a blip on the radar every now and then. So I'm not sure if you read too much into the loss, but good performance from Essendon. They'll go into Anzac Day four and zip for the first time in 
a while, I think, since 2000 when they won it. I mean, lost one for the year. But, um... And they can truly show Collingwood, like, they can really put it up to the game against Collingwood, yeah, like they, they did against Carlton. They can give them a contest. And, I mean, both sides come off a five-day break in that Anzac Day match. So, it'll be tough for them, but, I mean... Both sides have injuries. I think James Hurd said six, five or six out yeah. of the game. We he's know gonna, he's going to be making a couple of changes. I know four or five changes. Hurley's definitely out of that hamstring soreness, which is not good for Essendon. But yeah, so they fully deserved it on Saturday, and they got the four points as they would have liked at the start of the game. How good are these two teams? Silent sounds. Forty thousand out of the seats. Say wow, Lee. What about that? Unbelievable story. West Coast win. Well, Brian Taylor certainly got very excited for what was a reasonably dull game in the end between West Coast and Hawthorne. It was a thriller. It was an intriguing game, but, I mean, no goals in the opening quarter for either side. It took five minutes into the second term for a goal to finally be kicked. James, what do you think of the slug? Yeah, it, it, it was very slow in that game. Very <laughs> slow. Before West Coast 0 goes 12 before they got their first yeah, goal. Yeah, they were. They... It's, I mean, how many times do you see a side win a game when they don't have a goal at half-time? Oh, not, not very often, not very often <laughs> I wouldn't think all. there'd be a lot for a while, but um, 10 goals for the entire game. West Coast hit 5-21 to Hawthorne's 5-16. And I mean, I think the Herald Sun on Sunday morning had their headliners outpointed, which is perhaps a fair reflection of the game. Um, for what was, I mean, you look at the scoreboard, you think a pretty dull contest for 51-46. to it was a very intriguing match. It was. It was It was a weird game. It was. And you couldn't take your eyes off it, but it just... You wanted to. There was something about it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because they both play, implemented this full ground press, which they have. They know Psycho get a clear kick away. And, I mean, it just was an all-out slog. No one... Uh, it was just a tactical battle in the end between Clarkson and Worsfold. And, I mean, West Coast got up in the end. They stay... Four and zip, and on top of the ladder, so... It was a good win by West Coast, though. Yeah. It was Hawthorne, who were pressing after last week and the week before, yeah. just losing to Geelong, so it was a good win by West Coast. Yeah, they've started the season well, and, I mean, they've taken this Premiership Favourites tag off us, and I think it's pretty worthwhile. I mean, the, the change they've made since they were Wooden Spooners in 2010 to fourth last year, and now top of the ladder after four rounds this year, they've come from nowhere, haven't they? They've rebuilt their, rebuilt their list through Josh Kennedy. He's yeah. been, he's been, he's been very good. Um, a lot of young players. Darling's a brilliant find up front. Even um, Scott Sowell's come through. Yeah, exactly. He's come out of nowhere. Great so they've got some very good players to West Coast, and their defence is holding up brilliantly as well. Darren Glass marshals them fantastically back there. And Eric McKenzie, we gave him a vote in the weekend to play of the year because his job on Franklin was outstanding. He got... One goal six. Frank, yeah, well, Franklin only kicked a goal, and McKenzie rebounded well, got 27 touches, I think it was, himself, and even Bo Waters down there got a couple of votes in the Player of the Year award, because he was, he was fantastic a, he was as always. He's a rock down back, Bo Waters. He's he, a tough player. He's a good player. Yeah, as he always is. Um, and even their older players, you look, we're talking about this young list that they've got coming through, like the Marston and Kennedy and Darling and stuff, but their older players are really stepping up. Kerr, Cox, Glass. It's a brilliant list. They've got an even, they've got an even <laughs> list. It's like... They've got their experienced players, they've got their young players, and they've got their mid-range players. That they're all doing their job at the moment. Yeah, and they fully deserve the win over Hawthorne. By five points, they got out to about three goals somewhere in that last quarter, and then Cyril was cramping up, but he kicked one of the goals of the year in that last quarter, and then kicked another set shot off about a step, just because he really couldn't complete his run-up, because he was cramping. But 
Hawthorne, the gallant in defeat, but I'm not sure. Would their fans have been expecting them to win that? I don't know. Uh, in Subi is a very tough ask for any team. Yeah, especially now the West Coast are playing such great football. But, um, yeah, so Hawthorne, they go to 2-2 two and two and still outside the 8. So, I mean, no one's writing them off, but I'm pretty sure looking at... Uh, they've had a tough start to the season. They have but had a tough start. 2-2 two and two at the start of the year for them, knowing that they would have had to play Geelong and West Coast away. I mean, they can't really complain, but it just means they're going to only up from here, really, for Hawthorne. I suppose it's the same for a lot of the sides, like Geelong and Collingwood. That, they're all in the bottom eight yeah, as well. So they've all had tough starts, and... And it just shows how packed this top eight's going to be this year. I think I can't remember who made the comment this morning. I think it was Chris Scott uh, of Geelong who said that there's ne- the gap between first and fifteenth has never been so close, and he's got it spot on. And I suppose it showed it in the first opening four rounds that no side's been able to pull away. And what a couple four rounds! I can't wait for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's going to be great. Cracking matches all around. All right, so looking back to Friday night, we saw Ross Lyon return to. A chorus of boos at Eddie Had Stadium when Freo knocked off his old side St Kilda by 13 points. You tipped the Dockers, didn't you? Tipped the Dockers. I was happy with that tip as well. Yeah, they got up. They did very well. Stephen Hill turned on late in the game and really broke apart what was an even contest throughout the match. Do you, with... think, do you think he had a breakout game because Nat Fife wasn't there? It's interesting that... I don't know. I mean, I, you've seen the signs from Hill, but you haven't really seen him push it further and do it on a consistent basis, so... I mean, he needs to do it consistently now. We've seen what he can do. He's done this. He's shown glimpses of it for before, and now he needs to keep going. He's got going the quality. He's a top 10 draft pick. He's yep. got the quality. He definitely has to. Um, we saw Ross Lyon. He was showered with a sea of Monopoly money from the St. Kilda <laughs> fans as he walked down the race, so they weren't too happy with that. Uh, later in the day, we saw Izzy, big Izzy, kick his first goal for Great Western Sydney. They casual kick from 55. Yeah, did it brilliantly. It was a good lead as well from young Folau. Um they pushed Adelaide, got to within I think, 46 points in the end, but they were within three goals at halftime. So they, they it's a positive result for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then that night we saw Brisbane got up in Q-Clash 3. That was just a simple win, really. Ten yeah. goals. Gold Coast came out of the blocks firing early. but Brisbane were always going to come back. Brisbane were always going to come back and they did it easy. And, of course, the big story out of that is probably Gary Ablett's injury. Yeah. The, the fact that he might miss two to three weeks for that slight hyperextension of his right knee. Um, and then on Sunday, Richmond can be very proud of their result on Sunday. That's right. Down in Geelong, 10 points, they were level in the last quarter. Yeah, de- definitely. They were they were very good, I thought, Richmond. I watched that game, and Geelong Geelong showed like, glimpses of their best, really. And for the fact that Richmond stayed with them is a very positive sign for them. I think their fans can be proud of what they achieved down there at Cadinia Park. Um, they got level in the last quarter with a couple of goals. But, I mean, Geelong in the end just had that little bit of quality, which was probably proved... To be too good. Um, then your boys North, they got knocked off in a really poor result for them. It was a it was a poor result, but it was always going to happen. Sydney on the small ground, wet conditions, wet conditions. That game handball game plan didn't get really work because Sydney likes to play their contested ball game. They came out of the blocks early, did Sydney. Um, another one which was really ruined by the injury to uh, Gary Rowan. Yeah, it was that was horrendous. And that happened in the opening minutes as well. Yeah, so as well. Really he kicked the first that. goal, and then a couple of seconds later that happens. But I mean, we thought it was an opportunity for North, and to go down by six goals probably isn't the best result for them at all. Um, and then Sunday night, uh, Melbourne missed a chance for their first win of the Definitely season. Definitely missed a chance there against the Bulldogs. Um, they got to within a point in the third quarter, and then the Bulldogs blew them away late. 
But we want to. We want. What we want to do is run you through uh, Melbourne's next seven games. They've got St Kilda, Geelong, Hawthorne, Sydney away, Carlton, Essendon, and Collingwood. You cannot really say I'm winning any of them games. You can't. So they'll be starting the season zero and eleven. It doesn't look good for them. And I mean, uh, Colling. I mean, it's just. What more can you say? They have missed a chance big time, and they won't make finals. They won't do no, anything. No we've, way after that. We've talked a lot about them, but they really won't. And the game we were missing there was Collingwood, Port Adelaide sandwich in between. Collingwood put a pretty bad week behind them. To it was just, an, just an easy win for Collingwood. It was always a yeah. casual, casual win. Comfortable. They got away with it in the first quarter um, and just stuck with it from there. There was also some pretty bad injuries. That is an injury round. It was. It was just <laughs> horrible, horrible, terrible to watch. Really painful ones to watch. Um, Andrew Carazzo on Saturday, fractured shoulder blade. The club has released a statement saying he will miss six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. But I've heard rumours from within the club that it is getting, might be a bit longer than that. I've heard 10 to 12 with that injury. And, and that's course, a huge loss for Carlton. Yeah. He started the season on fire. He was fantastic to start the season, so it's a huge loss for them. And for his family as well, he had triplets in the off-season, so it's going to be hard to, hard to manage at the Croatia home. Uh, Robbie Gray, that was that horrible. Was sad to see. It was in the last couple of minutes yeah, of the game Yeah, last seconds well. even, and that hyper-extension, so he will miss the rest of the season with that. It was, it was disgusting it on watch. Gary Ablett, to a lesser extent, on Saturday night with the hyper-extension. Um, luckily for him, Gold Coast have released a statement saying no structural damage, but a lot of bruising, and he'll miss two to three weeks. So... At the same time as it being a very bad time for Gold Coast, it also gives them a chance to step up. Yeah. And the younger players have got the next couple of weeks to say we don't have to rely on Gary Ablett and they can keep going, keep pushing forward, and hopefully they can get a couple of positive results. Um, Gary Rowan, before we talked about that broken leg, his ankle, you know, it's not meant to go that way. No way. No it way. Just reminds got, you of the Nathan Brown back in... Yeah. Got caught Bulldogs. underneath a falling play and his whole body just twisted on itself. It was, and it was good to see him wave to the crowd. So yeah, thanks for the sport. In the same sense, he was probably in shock. I mean, the pain of that is horrible. He'll miss the season. And Mitch Clark, that heavy fall Jeez, last that night. Looked bad. Looked that looked bad. He could bad. have he could have broken his neck and been paralysed. But luckily, Melbourne have released that he is fine and okay. So some positive news to end that. It is on everywhere out here, boys. Spot fires all over the place. Uh, we've got something special for our audience today. We've got a new segment coming through, uh, the Spotfire, where me and James pretty much just lay it down on whoever's in our target line. This week we've got coaches, because they came out and had an absolute sook this weekend. James and me will be taking sides, whether or not it's a fair call, whether or not it's a sooks. I'll run you through them. James, you give me your opinion. Brett Ratton complained about the Lonigan tackle. We heard Murphy say that Blues, uh, the Blues players would be after him next time they played. Suck. Suck? What a suck. Oh, give it a bit. He's gone. It's a genuine in the back tackle. He's, did, yeah, he's, he landed he's his fractured back. someone's shoulder blade. Yeah, that happens That happens in footy. But oh, he's, a, he's driven him into the game. They're targeting a player. In the pack tackles happen every week. No, I can dog act. And that's just another same in the back tackle. He's gone, he driven can, him into the ground. There's no, way, there's no the way Lonigan wanted to injure his shoulder. Oh, well, he wanted to hurt him. He wanted to target him to free up Joe Watson. No, I don't like that. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> Alistair Clarkson, Saturday night, complained that West Coast were the best team in the club at lowering their body like Joel Selwood does and getting those high tackles. Once again, Sook. Yeah, I'm calling Sook as well. Um, That's footy. It's footy. 
you can't high tackle someone. He's he's saying that they wrap their shoulder yeah, arms around the shoulder and they duck their heads. If they do that and you catch them high, tackle. With... I saw a couple of incidents. Yeah, and they're all head high tackles. Exactly, tackle them at the waist. Isn't that what you taught? <laughs> These Oz kickers who are tackle at the waist. Watch their waist. Tackle them at the waist. Suck. No problem with getting the higher tackle if you tackle them around the waist. Brad Scott complaining about goal line technology. Saw Todd Goldstein's one yesterday. Fair call. Now, nah, suck. Everyone go on the go, side it, has to deal explain, with it. Explain it. It was. Explain the goal review system. It is. If it doesn't, if it's not conclusive, you go with the initial call. And that Todd Goldstein one, the boundary umpire said, I saw it touch his hand. It wasn't conclusive, so they've called it touched. How can the boundary umpire see? He was a good, what, 20, 25 metres away. Oh, well, he saw it. You got to, it's, it's inconclusive. It can go either way. And it went, suck. They went to the video. Yep. Inconclusive, and they go with the umpire's call. No, it has to go to the... It has to, no, I don't like it. Don't it's like a it. fair call. No, Someone needs to explain that system. Yep, they have. Suck. <laughs> Alright, so looking ahead, uh, we've had to have an early show this week because, of course, the round starts on Wednesday for the traditional Anzac Day clash between Collingwood and Essendon. It's a big game. Gee, that's going to be a good game. Yeah. Essendon undefeated. Collingwood, what are they, 2-2? Two 2-2. And two. Two and two. So, I mean... Collingwood will start favourites, but you can't rule out Essendon. You can't rule out a side that's four and zip. Both come off the five-day break, except if you ask me, leading up to this game, all I've heard is Essendon fans complain about the five-day break when really there's two sides that are going to be doing this. Exactly. So Just typical Essendon fans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're past the spot for James. We're not, <laughs> not still laying them down on it. But um, yeah, so it'll be a good game. And of course, we heard Lee Montagna say during the week that St Kilda are planning on playing a home game next year on Anzac Day in New Zealand. So we'll look forward to seeing that um, implemented next year, hopefully. But for now, the traditional Anzac Day clash is Collingwood-Essendon. And do you have a tip? I'm going to go for the Pies. Yeah, I reckon they'll win as well. I think just that little bit more quality. And I mean, I know they weren't convincing against Port Adelaide, but they did what they had to. And I think for me they'll be probably better rested for it because they didn't really push themselves, whereas Essendon really had to go all the way to beat Carlton. And talking about Carlton, they've got a big one on Friday night, backing it up against Fremantle. Jesus, in Perth. that's going to be another good game. Yep, it's going to be a tough one. And as a Carlton fan, going for Premiership favourites, you wouldn't want to lose two in a row, so it's a yeah, big win not. for Carlton, big game for Carlton. Um, Fife might be back. Uh, we can hope that he's not, but he might be. <laughs> um, what do you reckon there? I'm going to go with Carlton. Yep. Fight back from that. 30-point loss last week. In a so. close one, or...? It'll be, it'll be close. It has to be close. Down in Subi. Yep. It's going to be close, but Carlton will get up. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it might be a comfortable win for Carlton. I reckon they'll be fired up after losing last week. And then on Sunday, a really good game. Um, Sydney continue their four-zip start. They travel to Melbourne to play Hawthorne. This will test Sydney. Yeah, it will. It really will. And this will tell us where they're at, because... They've shown really good signs, but Hawthorne are a brilliant side, and they'll have that eight-day break coming into the game from travelling from Perth. And I reckon Sydney, their form at the MCG of late hasn't been good. We know that, and for that fact, I'm going to tip Hawthorne. I'm going to go Hawthorne as well. I reckon it could be a slog like we saw on uh, Saturday night with Hawthorne playing. It could be another low-scoring one. We know Sydney like to do that as well. Um, of course, you can view all of our tips later this week at theweekender.wordpress.com or give us a like on Facebook to see what we're up to, www.facebook.com forward slash theweekenderblog. A couple of milestones this week as well. Simon Black plays in his 300th game for Brisbane. He's a great player, isn't he? He's a good player. 
Brownlow medalist, triple premiership player. Good on him. Uh, 300 games. Yeah. Adds to another incredible list of achievements for him. And Adam Goods breaks the Sydney record for games finally this week. He was going to do it last week, but he will do it at the MCG on Sunday. He'll break Mickey O'Loughlin's record. Another quality by a Brownlow medalist. Yeah. Good on him. Good Dual Brownlow medalist, actually, isn't he? Dual Brownlow. And a premiership player. So um, you can also check out the Player of the Year voting for the weekender. Um, this week we've given Brett Stanton the three, which moves him equal in first place with Gary Ablett and Josh Kennedy. Of course, Ablett's chances might lessen a little, missing the next two to three weeks. But they're both on eight votes, and Scotty Pendlebury is uh, chasing them on seven. James, another week of football. Another week of football. Another week of good football. Yep, it's been great having you in, as it always is. Oh, thank you. Uh, look forward to Anzac Day. Hope everyone has a good day, and please join us next week for episode five.